Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. Um, I, I want to say a few things today that might be, um, you might have questions later on, or you might like need to email me your questions, or they, you may have never heard some of these things before. Um, but I want us to join together in unity against a common enemy today, and that enemy is the lie of separation. And so uh, if you can envision us kind of like a football squad, we're all in the huddle and we're about to line up against a common enemy, and we're going to go at this thing head on. Uh, this, this famous poet from the 1800s, her name is Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and she said, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. I heard a, a theologian say something really similar one time. He said, there is no bush that we can hide behind that isn't already ablaze with his glory. So earth right now is not being covered by the glory of God. Earth is being covered by the knowledge of the glory of God. Even in Isaiah, it says that heaven and earth are already full of his glory. St. Francis Assisi said it like this, creation is God's first Bible. We know that the, the skies are proclaiming his glories. And so what's happening right now is that all of earth is becoming more aware of the glory of God. We are waking up to the fact that we are surrounded by his goodness, that he planted us on, on a planet that he designed for our benefit. Everywhere we look is now an opportunity to encounter him. The veil has been torn, which means that there's not just an entryway into heaven, it means that anywhere you look, you can encounter heaven. David said this in the Old Testament. He said, where can I run? Where can I hide? I can't escape. Like if I, if I hide at the bottom of the sea or the other side of the sea or under a mountain, like in the dark, even the darkness is like light to you. I can't, you can't escape him. It's like he's Mr. Existence. And this was some, someone who lived in the old covenant was beginning to get this kind of understanding. Can you put up Romans 8.38? This is a section of scripture that we're all very probably familiar with. It's one of the ones that ends up on fridges and, and shortened down onto t-shirts. And um, I want to read this together. We're going to spend just a minute here. It says, I'm convinced, or I am sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to, say it with me, separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a powerhouse scripture, right? So I, I, I want us to never forget it. And so I want to do like a visual demonstration. Can I have the, like 10 people off the front row come on up here and line up on the stage? I need, I need 10 volunteers that are close by. Eric Royals, why don't you come on up too? Here, line up in, in front of the stage on the floor. Okay. I'm really sorry, Rafi, but today you're going to represent death. Yeah, very live. <laughs> Angels, principalities, things present, yes. the future, powers, height, depth, anything created. Yeah, so 
kind of scrunch together, get as close as you can. Okay, Ryan Crowell, I need you to. Can you stand on the other side of Joe Michael? Okay. Ryan is just an incredible man who is seeking God and doesn't know that God is seeking him and close by. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Jesus right now. And Ryan might be thinking that there are all sorts of things separating him from me, right? Anybody been there where you feel far from God? You know, the things that you've done, the, the just whatever's going on in your inner world is separating you from the love of God. Anybody else other than me ever feel separated from God? Okay, so I'm going to be Jesus, okay? Now, death, sit. Go ahead, sit down. It's out of the way. Nothing in life. Sit down. You're out of the way. Mm-mm. <laughs> Angels, no way. Principalities, get out of here. Things present. Nope, nothing that's going on right now. Nothing that's going on right now. How about he's going to give us a, a future and a hope in that future. Good things. So future, out of here. You can't separate. No power is higher than me. Height, get out of here. Depth, no way. Anything, this really like hammers at home. Anything created. Is there anything that, uh, like, that isn't created? No, like Jesus, through whom, by whom, for whom all things were made, nothing came into creation that wasn't created by him. And so nothing in creation. Go ahead, sit down. Which means, can you put your hands up over your eyes? There's only one thing left. Can you put up that next scripture? Their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. And so I've, I've come to my, my beloved friend, my beloved son. I'm still playing Jesus here. <laughs> And he's calling out, and he's thinking that all these things are separating him, but I'm, I'm literally standing right here. This is what it says in Acts 17, that God is not far from any human on planet Earth, no matter where they are. And so I come to him, and I, and I drop the veil, and now we're standing face to face, beholding my glory, I'm Jesus, we're beholding the glory and being transformed in ever-increasing glory. Shabba, fill, fill, fill. Thank you, volunteers. <clears throat> Faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by word of God. And so, I would say it's pretty difficult for us to self-create faith. It might even be impossible, seeing as how the only way that we can get faith is by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus even says this to his disciples, y'all don't have faith right now. He, he said, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll have faith. And so wh who's the word of God? Jesus. Yes, it's the, it's the number one Sunday school answer. Jesus is the word of God. So faith comes by hearing the voice of our good shepherd. And when that happens, the veil is renewed or is removed. And this truth is able to set us free from all of our attempts at God-pleasing religion. Can you put up that Danny Silk quote? 
Anybody ever read Danny Silk's book, Unpunishable, Culture of Honor? What's the other really good one? Keep Your Love On. These are all great. Separation from God is the false reality we end up living in by believing the enemy's lies and accusations about him and ourselves. I know that we, um, we all know this, but this lie can be really sneaky. It can, like, it can just like creep into our lives, and I can often hear it in the way that I pray sometimes. Um, Ryan, why don't you come on back up here? This time you get to be Jesus. Look at how close Jesus is to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer, and he's right here. God, come. We need, I'm desperate. Jesus, uh, what, what do you need me to pray? Uh, what, what, what kind of activity would move your heart that you would come? Oh. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> Thank you. Good job again. I know <laughs> these are rudimentary, like basic visual demonstrations, and I'm giving a very basic message today, but it's something that we need to hear again and again and again. See, if we get in, tricked into believing that you know, God is distant or we have to pray a certain way in order to get him into the room, the enemy doesn't have to lift a finger to oppose us because we're stuck in this pointless activity. We spend our lives begging for something that we've already been given. Why do you think Ryan is drunk on the Holy Spirit like all the time? <laughs> Seriously, it's one of my favorite people. He's a joy bomb. He just, it's because he realizes he's already in the river of God's delight. Like he, he removed the beaver dam. You know what I mean? The beaver dam is the lie of separation. He removed it, and now that river is flowing. He's in it. He realizes that God's in him. He's in God. He's holding hands with the one at whose hand is the eternal pleasures forevermore. He is already understanding that he is in the presence of the fullness of joy. In Christ, this veil, this lie of separation is taken away. See, God didn't hide behind a bush. God's not the one, he, he, the problem wasn't on God's side. God never put on a veil. The problem was on our side, wasn't it? So faith, faith doesn't make this real. Faith is what causes us to step into this reality. It's already there. He's already there. He's waiting for us to just realize that he's good and marinating and washing ourselves in the truth of our acceptance and his un, like, unconditional love for us is the very thing that begins to make sure that veil never comes back. That's why Paul prays, open the eyes of our heart, God. And Paul doesn't pray, God, would you get all these people where you are? No, Paul prays, they're already seated in heavenly places. Would you open their eyes now to realize that they're surrounded by glory? The world is standing in front of the same beauty that we're standing in front of. Even church folks that are entrenched in like orphan thinking or slave mentality, they're standing in front of the same beauty that we're standing in front of. 
God doesn't withdraw from people any more than the sun can hide its warmth from a blind man. So why does this lie seem so, so real? Can you put up that next slide? Colossians 1.21 says that we were enemies of God in our minds. Jesus, John 19.17, he carried his cross to the place of the skull. See, we thought we were God's enemies and therefore we acted like God's enemies. And the only way that, I mean, what, what is God to do when his bride has lost her mind? What's he to do? He came, submitted himself to all of our accusations, all of our harsh treatment. He climbed onto the, the worst tool from the darkest corner of the fallen mind of man, a.k.a. the cross. He submitted to the worst that we had. While we mocked him, he forgave us. While we accused him, he said he loves us. God's struggle was never against flesh and blood, right? It says that in the Bible. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So if we think that we're separated from God, then we're going to act in many ways to try to bridge a gap that doesn't exist, right? And like Eve, we're going to eat fruit in order to become like the God in whose image we're already made. Are y'all following me? I think the, the most detrimental um, aspiration of my heart, the, the most, detrimental, most detrimental aspiration that my heart has ever been entrenched in is trying to get to a place I've already been seated, trying to earn a love I've already been given. We'll try to earn by our best efforts salvation that was always a gift. All I brought to the equation of the harvest of righteousness in my life is the manure. <laughs> right? Can anyone attest? But subtle things happen. They, they sneak in. And you might, you might say that salvation is a gift. It's, it's grace. It's faith. It's grace. You might say that it's a gift, but then once you're in, you're thinking... I'm going to show him he didn't make a mistake in choosing me. I'm going to, and you start to backload the gospel with all of your works to try to prove to him that you are worthy to be in his household. It's orphan thinking, right? One time I was in the prayer room and I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me like, Holy Spirit's done many times in the prayer room. Um, there's, and he basically said, there's an element of sorrow in my heart that the vastness of my gift causes my children to try to earn something that was given for free, which keeps them from entering into true friendship with me. Because you can't be friends with someone that you're trying to get something from. Right? Salesmen can attest. I've been, I've been one. I used to think if I only believed hard enough or prayed the right prayers that move him, if I, if I fast enough, 
then, or, or abstain from all sorts of things that most people are, are allowed to enjoy. If I throw out my CDs, any Christians in here ever gone through the time where you throw out <laughs> your CDs? Kids nowadays, it's like, how do I, I mean, do I just like delete the... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I was so religious that after I got rid of my secular CDs, I still felt that my Christian CDs were an idol. (laughs) So I threw those ones out too. (laughs) Just, Lord, too much of my identity is wrapped up in these Christian tunes. The way that we think about God is actually foundational to our psychological health. The way we think about God frames the way that we think about ourselves. And Jesus came to set us free from everything that was wrong in our minds about God, which is why he carried his cross to the place of the skull, Golgotha. He had to set us free from our accusations against the Father by showing us the actual kindness of the Father. He had to come and show us exactly what God is like. Jesus would say things, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own. They come from the Father. Everything I do is what I see the Father doing. Hebrews chapter 1, he is the the very radiance and exact representation of God's nature. Colossians 1, the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form. It's Jesus is 100% the Father, and he came to show us what the Father is like because you can't trust someone you fear. Wives can't trust an abusive husband. Children don't trust parents that beat them or parents that are unpredictably vicious. You know, anyone in here, if you have little kids, you're not going to welcome a dog into your house that doesn't attack children 99% of the time. Right? You wouldn't be able to trust that dog because that dog is unpredictable, but we know that the father never changes and the father looks exactly like Jesus. We have to believe that God is always good 100% of the time or we won't let him enter the most tender places of our heart. He came to set us free from our unholy fears of the Father. If you've heard anywhere like that God said something but you have a really hard time seeing Jesus say that very thing, then you should question whether or not God could ever say that. If you have a hard time seeing Jesus do something, then you should rightly question whether the Father ever would, right? See, Jesus isn't God on a good day. Jesus isn't God in a good mood. While we were trying to climb as close to God as possible through our own efforts, he came closer than we ever thought possible to us. See, separation is the disease that religion invokes on its followers in order to sell them the cure. It's how the business of religion gets repeat customers. 
It's the addiction that needs the fix. At one point, I was duped into believing, like as a pastor, that it was my job to tell people that they're not trustworthy, they're broken, they're flawed, they're sinful. It was my job to make people feel so bad about themselves that they would finally come forward and call out for God. But the fearfully, wonderfully made message is fly in the ointment to that religion. It's, it's the wrench that falls in the gears. When you find out that God had a dream and he wrapped skin around it and it's you, it begins to unravel all of that religion in your heart. His love is not dependent on our ability to do right. Our ability to do right is dependent on his love. If I love my wife more than I believe God loves me, I need a better God. If I love my kids better than God loves me, I need a better God in my mind. The way that we love others... And the way that we live our life often betrays our broken theology and thoughts of God. I believe right now that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters of our hearts. He's hovering over the waters, the waves of insanity, self-condemnation, accusations. Just like when everything was void and empty, we've come void and empty and he loves to fill us, doesn't he? Just like when the earth was without form, some of us, we've come without form. We need to be reformed. We need him to give us our identity. Can you put up John 14, 20? This is the day that we're living in. On that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, and you're in me and I'm in you. What an audacious statement, Jesus, that from this day forward, us believing that there is any distance between us and God no longer has any place in our lives. Can we pray and welcome the Holy Spirit to unravel that lie in us? You know, it's, it's time to go eat lunch, and lunch tastes the best after church, right? You know why? It's because your spirit's full and your tummy is jealous. (laughs) Why don't don't we stand up? And because this all has to do with lies in our minds, if you would, if you have faith, if you're willing to do this, why don't you put a hand right on your forehead? Holy Spirit, get in there. Knock down every lie that has set itself up against the knowledge of God. Tear down every stronghold, every system of thought that has come to make me live a lessened life. Holy Spirit, come. Tear down every lie. Jesus, one of my favorite stories is when you came in and kicked over the tables where we were still offering up sacrifices. Would you come in and kick over the tables of the sacrifices in our brains right now? Bring joy and freedom to us, Lord. It's just so good to be your kid in your house that we can run to your fridge and get something. We don't have to act like an orphan. 
We're not trying to earn a place in your house anymore, Jesus. Let your voice be loud in our ears and free us from every ounce of religion that has bound us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.